You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, Eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Parks and Recollection. I am one of your hosts, Rob Lowe, I'm joined by Alan Yang. How are you today, Alan? What's up, Rolo? What's up, everybody? Good to be here. I'm very good. I'm rolling. Rolo is Rolo. I'm, I'm, I loved this episode we got on, on deck today, Tom's Divorce. Um, super, super, super funny. It's episode uh, 11 of season two and written by... The great, you know who, Harris Whittles, and directed by Troy Miller, kind of a murderer's row right there, don't you think? Yeah, it's it's you hit this sort of key area of season two, and it's a lot of favorite directors and a lot of favorite writers. So so yeah, it's a really good one, and and this 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 episode is a little emotional. It's it's really funny, and it has a lot of world building. There's a lot of like new parts of Pawnee, and and we'll get into some of those later. I think that's one of the one of the things I, re- I realized about this episode that we're seeing a lot of locations that will come back in later episodes and and that's kind of the fun of building a show and it's super funny a lot of puns people like puns out there you're going to like this episode well here's the thing i hate puns and i like when people are basically shitting on puns which is basically what this was this was that that's yes. what was great about it it was like you know the lame restaurant has lame puns cuz puns are wait for it Lame. I don't disagree, but I do love making fun of puns, which is, yes. as you said, very specific. And by the way, bleeds into actually liking puns at a certain point. <laughs> once you, <laughs> once you, once you are pitching a lot of puns and you kind of revel in it. So later in later seasons, we had a writer named Megan Amram join us, and 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 Megan Amram's brain is absolutely broken in a way that. <laughs> I will never be able to describe because she cannot stop coming up with puns. She she also wrote, wrote in the Good Place, and there's so many puns in in that show. And it's you can just say, "Hey, come up with 100 puns for this restaurant menu," and she'll come back and have a hundred. And you could never have thought of them. She would have been a killer on this one, but she wasn't on the staff yet, so she wasn't writing this episode. <laughs> Shall we get into a synopsis? Oh, I, you know I love this part of the show. Got my popcorn, and I'm ready for the dulcet tones of Alan Yang. All right, synopsis heads, here we go. This episode, Tom's Divorce, opens 
with Ron sending Leslie to run an errand at the DMV on the dreaded fourth floor of City Hall, where she discovers Tom and Wendy are getting a divorce. Stunning news. Leslie tries to lift Tom's spirits by taking him and the rest of the Parks Department out to a dinosaur-themed restaurant called Jurassic Fork. Not even really a pun. Does not rhyme, <laughs> but we went with it anyway. And after that doesn't work, to Tom's favorite strip club, The Glitter Factory, where she encourages the strippers to better their lives. Yeah, we'll get into that later. But yeah, Leslie Nope takes someone to a strip club, and it's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of glossed over, but we'll talk about that. Meanwhile, Andy challenges Mark to a game of pool in hopes of hustling him, but soon realizes Mark is an excellent pool player. After multiple rounds of double or nothing, the two settle on a final wager. If Andy wins, he gets Anne. But if Mark wins, Andy has to leave Mark and Anne alone to pursue their relationship. Mark dominates the game, but in the end loses by scratching the eight ball. Andy's thrilled that he won Anne and also confused when she leaves with Mark and everything's the same as it was before. Um, so, yeah, an emotional episode, you know, giving Aziz some acting to do, too. Little subtle nuanced thing that made me laugh um, so hard is when the <laughs> he's a Jurassic Fork. It's a horrible rainforest dinosaur theme with every once in a while in the background I mean it's like the worst of the worst touristy nightmares and he calls for the waiter he goes Garcon like which <laughs> made me laugh out of nowhere out of, yeah Garcon I don't know where he thinks maybe calling the waiter by a, what the fr a French version of a waiter at Jurassic Fork would be cool it made me laugh it's the first thing and yeah just just commenting off that right off the bat you know obviously, you know, I'm good friends with Aziz and, and we work together on subsequent shows and um, he, he he jokes about it sometimes because at a certain point he started like winning awards and getting nominated for acting and he won like a Golden Globe or something and he was like, man, I look back on Parks, like the early, early stuff, he's like, it's so bad. He's like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was a stand-up comedian. He started being a stand-up at like 19, right? Or what, you know, whatever it was in college and suddenly you're on TV. You're, you're an actor now. You're in a show. And, you know, episodes like this started helping him do things other than just say one-liners and being, yeah. you know, there's a huge difference, you know, this between being a stand-up and an actor that you have to react, right? You have to react. So, so I think this is the beginning of him sort of, you know, increasing his range, as you said, and yeah, he's starting to, to get better and, 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 and show some actual emotion on screen, which, uh, you know, he, he did a good job with. I was wondering if, if you showed up on set on the day they were at Jurassic Fork and said, you know, to like Chris Pratt. So this Jurassic stuff. <laughs> Take notes. <laughs> do, do you like? Do you like any of it? Are you there? Whatever. Rob, have you? I'm curious. Have you seen this clip of of Pratt doing a, a behind the scenes video for Parks and Rec, uh, where he talks about he's making a joke. He's like literally filming himself on his phone, and he fakes a he fakes a call. I just got a text message from Steven Spielberg. God, it's so annoying. Sorry, Steven. I was asked by Parks and Recreation slash NBC to do behind the scenes. Which is to say, everyone else was asked and said no. But I have no shame as you know by the endless gift baskets i'll have to get back to you later about jurassic park 4 boom 
he manifested it. He manifested. He manifests. It's the first example of the secret working. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, so that's so crazy. I, I by the way, I want to know. I'm a I'm, I'm a fanboy. Where did you shoot Jurassic Fork? That set I is was, amazing. I was just gonna ask Greg this. What do you remember, Greg? I feel like I was because I. It's gotta is it be the like, Rainforest Cafe, and you guys just put dinosaurs in it. Was it in San Gabriel Valley somewhere? I want to say that. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm uh, trying. Shockingly, I could tell you that Jurassic Fork was filmed at Clifton's Cafeteria. Uh, in downtown Los oh, Angeles. Wow! And no that way. Reopened. Yeah. Okay. I can see the multi levels. Yeah. yeah now, yeah. now it makes sense. But they must have done. They we must have done a lot of adding of foliage and stuff because it doesn't look like that at all. I, man, that's I got. I almost got to rewatch the episode now. That is, that is wild. Um, Clifton's Cafeteria. It, it, yeah, that reopened again. I think so. I don't know if it's still open, but yeah, it closed down and reopened and might have closed down again. But yeah, that is. That is weird. You know, it's got to be this big open space. And we brought in, I think we brought in a lot of the dinosaur props. We brought in, but and and by the way, like that's a dream for me. I, I Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies and I loved dinosaurs as a kid. So I was like obsessed with dinosaurs, all this stuff. So it was fun to do all the, the dinosaur puns and stuff. One of the things about this set and, and this will always never fails to make me laugh. So you look at the, the, the you know, some of the, the, the wide shots of this, you'll see like, you know, dinosaurs and, and props and stuff. And um, one of the props for this episode was a giant hydraulic dinosaur egg. And it was an egg that opened and shut that you could theoretically fit inside. And so originally there was a, a sea story for this episode wherein the character of Jerry, played by Jim O'Hare, got inside this hydraulic egg, and it opens and closes, let me remind you. And the egg closes around him, and he gets trapped inside the egg, right? So that was the storyline pitched by the writers. We go on to build this egg. So it, there's a huge hollow below. We got, I mean, it's a, I mean, that's an enormous build. It's a robotic egg. We get, you know, we got the, the VFX guys in there. We got, we're, you know, it's, it's, it, this is a huge undertaking. This is one of the biggest props the show's ever built. We build this giant egg. I, I don't know how much it costs exactly. My, I, what I heard, this may be wrong, it was something in the vicinity of $15,000 oh to build this giant dinosaur egg. And, of course, we shot it all, and uh, the story was cut for time. So the egg is not in the episode at all. It's not in any sort of producer's cut. There's no inkling that the egg ever existed. But I will say this. For years afterwards, that egg just sat on the stage in the corner as a reminder of the writer's folly and just saying, you do not make us build props like that. You do not make us build props like that in the future. So it would just, and every time I saw it, I, was, I would laugh. Season six, seven of the show was still there. Like, That's that egg from the, from the Jurassic Fork episode. And we trapped Jerry inside. <laughs> and it just, like, I don't know if we just cut for time or whatever, but yeah. Uh, but, but just one of my favorite props from, from the show. I will say Jurassic Fork was uh, a better uh, a better pitch for a restaurant than one of the other pitches. Schindler's Lunch. I think, <laughs> does that come in? I think that comes in later in the show. I don't know. Or yeah, so very uh, very inappropriate joke. But so only Steven Spielberg themed. Yeah, that's right. Right. <laughs> He's the only guy that gets restaurants. Yeah, instead of E T E A T. Right. I don't. I don't know. I'm just now. I'm just. These are off the top of my head, so I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but that wasn't, that was an option. I don't know. Schindler's um. <laughs> lunch. I love like the weird things in the episode sometimes. And, um, the waiter 
gets really upset about how Leslie is ordering her steak because she's I love order- that. I love that moment. That little bit. What does Leslie? What does Leslie say? She wants it she, medium she wants roar. It, she wants it medium roar. And, and, and he uh, says medium rare. She goes, no, no, medium roar. She's all excited. He's like, uh, for legal reasons, we're not allowed to make puns about the temperature of the meat. That's an example of deconstructing the puns as opposed to just living in them. So shout out to the writers on that one. <laughs> Makes you wonder like what happened. Yeah. Like it's a great because that's one of those jokes. Not only is it funny, but it makes you think like, oh, I'd like to see the story of what happened at the restaurant yeah. when somebody ordered medium roar and had third degree burns on their tongue. It's rich, man. It's a rich world. I also love in that. So in Jurassic Fork, there's also a little bit of a hint of the upcoming Donna and Tom friendship. So there, there's the thing. Everyone says something nice about Tom and Tom and Donna says, Tom's my little prince. I just want to put him a little cape and hat and fly him around. And it's like, it's so cute. I, I think, I think Harris Whittles wrote that line. I could be wrong, but later on, again, it's kind of like we talked about in previous episodes where you put this little tiny fact in or something and, and it works and then you kind of expand on it. And so later, you know, they were just good friends and they did the treat yourself episodes together. And, and, and it just seemed right that they liked the finer things in life. And they, they're they're Those characters are on the same page, but we would never have known that episode one, season one, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just the chemistry they had. Um, this is also the first episode that makes reference to the dreaded fourth floor. Yes, that it, it is wildly shot. By the way, I mean, like, like, like that cold open is is so strange. You go up there, and like we put up like green lights, and obviously that's shot on a step, you know, a part of our set that's the first floor. They re- redecorated it, but it's very broad. But but it comes back in later episodes, and and it's kind of like you know the way people talk about Pawnee is sort of a live action Springfield. It's like yeah, we've got the fourth floor, and then we've got Jurassic Fork, and then later we've got the Glitter Factory, and all of these ideas kind of you know, sit in the world of the show. They sit in the wor- the milieu and, and, and world building is, is, is kind of like, it's, it's one of the joys of, of putting a show or movie together, right? You get to imagine what this city is like. And, 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 and in some cases, like this is a little pushed, like it's a little bit broad, but it's like, yeah, the fourth floor is like the worst part of, of, of the, of the city hall, right? Of city hall. It's, it's just, um, all of the worst shit is collected there. And yeah, we keep going back there. You know, I think it's there for an episode called the bubble. I think it's in, but yeah, it, it's, a. Uh, it's a it's a funny idea. It makes me. It, it's really disturbing. I mean, it, it all, it's very Fincher esque. It's almost like you you're in Parks and Recreation, get in the the elevator, and you come out, and all of a sudden you're in, in you know, seven. He, What's in yeah, the box? He, What's he, in the he, box? He came in for a day and shot that scene. <laughs> then yeah. that day turned into three months. Three months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. That is so true, Greg. LinkedIn knows that as a small business owner, you don't have the time or the resources to spend countless hours looking for the right person for the job. So they have launched a new feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. And it isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching. In fact, get this, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Wow, that, that, that's impressive. That's amazing. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash parks. That's linkedin.com slash parks to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. We have to talk about Leslie Note bringing everybody to a strip club. I mean, that is definitely not a log line you're expecting to hear or read or see. <laughs> I, I would love to show this episode to Mike. <laughs> Mike Sure now is like, you know, he's he's a very progressive man and, and very forward thinking. But it's like, man, how did this get in the show? I just like, you wouldn't have thought it. You know, it's like, hey, maybe it's in character that Tom would like going to strip clubs. But the fact that Leslie took him there is is, it's so jarring to see like naked women on stage like blurred out like that that aired like we aired that this is like a this is like a very family friendly show what happened man yeah i felt like i was at the sopranos yeah, you know they're always like, going to that strip club in the sopranos it was but, a um, different time she's watching I mean, as he gets a lap dance <laughs> it's like what is this this seems out of character and leslie nope is like makes no attempt to hide her dismissiveness of the strippers she literally calls a stripper Seabiscuit when her name is actually Sierra. That's right. It's not very sex worker positive. So you know what, Leslie? Leslie had a lot to learn, too. So Even it, Leslie Nope yeah, uh, it, had, it, has some growing up to do, as it turns out. Yeah. It's so, it, yeah, it was. But, man, I don't remember. I, like, I, I, I honestly think I blocked that section of this episode out of my mind because I, I just didn't remember them going there. And I guess we shot that at a strip club. I mean... That to see that on a Parks and Rec call sheet in two thousand nine or whatever, I again I guess at the time it was just like I will do you yeah, one better go. showing up on the set as an actor yeah. at five in the morning. Yes. The sun isn't up. You just want some breakfast and it it smells like a strip club, looks like a strip club, is a strip club, and you're there at five in the morning, you're like, oh. Yeah. And then you start filling it up with extras and it's like, now it's 7 a.m. and you just had like a breakfast burrito or something. You walk in there like, oh my God, this is, but, but it's also, you shoot at a nightclub. It's the same thing. You go in there. It's like, yeah, no one's meant to be in a nightclub at 8 a.m. It, mm -mm. It's so weird shooting at nightclubs or, or, or places that you usually see when it's dark, right? You usually see when it's dark and you had a drink or two, right? Well, the worst thing are casinos. Because um and any and if any actors out there, if you ever shot oh, in casinos, wow. you know what that's like because the only time they will give you to shoot, get this, you show up, your morning, your morning begins at two thirty in the morning. Oh my god. And you shoot till two thirty in the afternoon. Oh, it's the wow. worst possible hours you could ever imagine. I've never had the extreme displeasure of shooting in a casino. Have you done Vegas casinos, Rob? Yep. And that's the only time you get. So whenever you're watching those yeah. Ocean's Eleven, you're like, oh, they think they're fancy, don't they? And they're Ocean's Eleven. Meanwhile, they're there rolling in at 2.30 in the morning having it, their it, coffee. It, ah. that, is the, that is kind of the dirty secret about filming in general. So, look, sometimes you have a great time, right? You go to a great location. You're, I was talking to a director earlier today, and she had been shooting a show in Paris, right? And And... 
she's like, I was like, how was it? Sounds so fun. She's like, well, we were really behind and we needed to get the, you know, we were meeting some actors dates. So we shot six days a week, like 16 hours a day or something. And it's like, in that case, you're not seeing Paris. You're seeing no. your location. You're going home and sleeping for four hours, coming back and shooting. And your French crew is cranky because they usually have eight hour days and they're shooting 15 hour days. And, and then you're done, you know, that that's, it, that uh, again, I'm not complaining, but but that is that is the reality of shooting. A lot of times, it's not it's not always just having a good time well, in Italy, which is what we did for Master Done. But whatever. I that always aside. <laughs> I always forget that that people, you know, and, and there's no reason they shouldn't know. People don't realize the the working hours. Like most people work nine to five. Those are the hours that we have the phrase. It was a movie nine to five. That's when when people work. They work from nine to five. Movies and TV that means nothing. You work a minimum of 12 hours a day. And then, and, the, and, there, and there's, I always love that when you, when you're doing a, a big series, when you finish an episode, people don't get gather around and go, yay, we did it. That's great. Here's a champion. Let's take a night. No, you just literally, you'll finish a scene and start another scene from another episode. And really all you do when you make a series is you make a never ending conveyor belt of scenes that somebody cuts up into episodes and and that's it. There's never a delineation ever other yeah. than maybe a new director shows up, but it yes. doesn't feel any different at and all. And you might, and you might even mix them up. You might be shooting scenes from three episodes in one day. Like that happens sometimes. And, yep. and again, I, I also don't want to sound like we're complaining because Rob and I are lucky enough to be in positions where, you know, we, we, we generally get taken care of, you know, not always, but, but, you know, it, we're, and think about the production assistants and the crew members, the transport people who are there three hours before, before we time. are. So, yeah. Oh, so yeah. they're, they're there at three in the morning yeah. and then they're wrapping out and cleaning up and, and striking the set at, at, you know, so their, their day is even longer. So all this is saying we're, uh, we're about to unionize and no, 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 <laughs> but, but, but truly I, I do feel like, honestly, I do feel like, you know, the only reason we're working those hours is to save money for for the people financing it, and I think I think the day should be ten hours. Like, why the day should be ten hours, and and you know it just it'll just take a few more days to shoot. But but I I don't think people should be working seventeen hours and transpo guys driving like falling asleep at night. I think that's that's something to look at. Well, so anyway, you, you for sure get <laughs> diminishing returns. There's, yeah, there's, absolutely. The, the last two hours of work are are always almost barely usable. Yeah, and and by the way, what if you're doing a comedy? What if you're doing a party scene at the end of the day? You know what if? And it's like you know you just you're having your birthday party. It's like really, it's three in the morning. We've been shooting for seventeen hours. But that. But by the way, like I I, I was shooting a, a movie in Taiwan, and and I was apologizing to my crew there, who was largely made up of Taiwanese locals, and and I said, hey, I'm sorry, we were going to hour thirteen or fourteen, shooting at the sugar factory, which you know difficult shoot. And some of them said, oh, no, 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 uh, don't worry about it. The longest day I've had is 43 hours. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, but you're lucky to be in a country with unions, by the way. You know, it's like, they're like, oh, yeah, people are just falling asleep all over and the director's just yelling. And yeah, you just keep going. It's like, oh, my God, this is so. So, yeah, be thankful that there are unions and, and where we are, we do have some protections. But, yeah, I think we could we could be a little bit more civilized with our hours. I, and and we, we definitely try. I definitely try. It's not always feasible, but certainly we we try not to work people like that. I mean that that seems inhumane. Well, a little glimpse into the glamorous life of showbiz professionals. Yes. yes. Um. Also on this this episode, I am a sucker for mascots. <laughs> Divorce horse. 
I'm sorry. I that's I love it. I love it. I love mascots. I love. I just I just do. They make me laugh. They're just great. I can't get enough of them. Fireworks, dolphins, mascots. For me, that's the holy trinity. They make me laugh. They make me happy. And you can't you can't talk me out of them. Mr. Ed's singing horse was genius. Yeah, it's. I mean. I gotta say, one of the most cartoony ideas that's ever been in the show, that such a man would exist, the guy yeah. called the Divorce Horse, and then he comes in again at the end and sings a whole song, but I, you know, look, it was, that's the idea of the show being silly, right? It's like, that's the show having fun, and, and us writing the lyrics for the Divorce Horse song, or, or pitching on, like, can't, by the way, that might have been a 3 a.m. writing session, it's like, then a horse comes in, he's called the Divorce Horse, it's like, yeah, we made that happen, someone had to buy that costume, someone did, somewhere there exist wardrobe photos of this this man in his divorce horse costume and then those photos get emailed to you and you have to approve them it's like is this the right color horse for the divorce horse like that gets me that call gets made so um no it, it it's really funny and it all becomes you know rob you say you don't like puns but you love the divorce horse and i gotta tell you his name is based on a pun so i it know rhymes. maybe i maybe i maybe i I'm not willing to face that part of myself. <laughs> there you go man add it to the list mascots fireworks and puns puns but I like at the very end, it's in the it's in the um, the tag of the show. You hear the clopping down the hall before yeah, he even right. shows up, and that was the best. You're, you're like, yes, here comes the divorce rights. I bet it's gonna be him. Yay! <laughs> so fulfilling. So the 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 pool table challenge, right? Yeah. What I like about this area of the run of the show is I, I have I have no uh, dog in the fight. I'm not in the show yet. Um, just a guy watching a show, making a podcast about a show. So I can, it, I just, so I, I'm going, well, so when Brendanowitz loses with the scratch, did he, did he mean to lose? Was there going to be another beat where he, like, it was like, there was a, a, a reverse on the plot that I didn't know about. Like, I don't know what he, what was going on with him. My recollection of it, using the style of the show, uh, my recollection of it is that, he did it. He didn't do it on purpose. That he he just messed up. But really, the whole story was kind of an excuse to play with and subvert the trope that you could like win a woman through a game of pool or like on a bet, right? I yeah, think that that's like famous old, trope. Sure. Well, it's of like course. an old. It's like an old thing where like you know you, I'm fighting for my woman's honor. Like we'll yeah. see who you know. It's like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Like we'll have a duel. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was the idea, and then the comedy. I think theoretically, it's always good when you're explaining the comedy why something's funny. But <laughs> the, 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 the comedy was that Pratt would be happy that he won, right? And then Andy would 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 think that everything was okay. But like, yeah, obviously, it's all made up. This is bullshit, and no one actually wins anybody in a game of pool. And no, uh, you, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't bet your girlfriend on a game of pool, etc. Um, but yeah, I, I I can't tell you that. I don't think Brandanowitz was losing that game on purpose, but I don't remember his reaction in the moment. So that's certainly something you picked up on. Something I love is that when Andy and Mark play pool for the first time, they start out with a $25 bet. Andy loses and they rematch for double or nothing. And the next time we're with them, we reveal that Andy owes Mark $6,400, meaning in that time, Mark won nine consecutive games in a row. <laughs> Brilliant. And the other thing, of course, was Ron loving the free breakfast at the strip club. It was so on my list, too. Genius. It's in my notes, too. It's it's an all-timer. It's all Ron time. eating a buffet at a strip club 
it's so it's not only really funny by the way that's like a classic gif like the one of him like smiling like 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 getting eggs from the strip club buffet like i don't think people know necessarily that it's in a strip club but it's not only really funny it's so on character because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't care about strip clubs he doesn't want to be in a strip club he's not about that he just wants to eat the breakfast food there and like yeah just housing bacon and eggs there it's like that is housing funny. It. there's something really funny about that man. it's also vaguely gross but he's doing i don't know it's so his, funny he there's not nick offerman's his gleefulness whenever yeah. nick is gleeful it's so beautiful it's yeah. so great and and you use it sparingly, right? It's like this yeah. little tool you have. It's like a power up in a video game or like something. Yes. You got to use it. You can't use your magic all the time. You don't use up all the magic. You have a very serious, stern character, mm-hmm. and you 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 yeah you use you use these missiles carefully. So yeah, he's but he's so funny. By the way, backing up a second about about Ron in this episode. What's going on? Why is he so horny? Why is he like, I got to ask out his wife immediately. That's insane. <laughs> like, don't do that. <laughs> like, I know it's like, like, give him a day. <laughs> give him a day. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, immediately asking your employee's wife out, even if it's a green card marriage, is kind of psycho, man. You don't want to do that. But he like sits him down. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask your wife out. It's like, <laughs> what? Anyway. I guess it was designed for the story, but that did make me laugh. Like, going back and seeing things that are, like, vaguely out of character is funny. It's like, damn, Ron, yeah. what are you doing, man? Yeah, I mean, you know, in in the life of a long-running show, there's always going to be those moments when you look back and go, wait, what was going on? I know. What? But you know what, Rob? In some in some ways, the joy of life is when your friends act out of character, right? People yes. do act out of character, so so that's, that's right. maybe, maybe it's fine. Maybe it's all fine. Now I just was like, writing is meaningless. Anyone can do anything in any show. <laughs> Forget if it's in character. Well, but it is true. That is a very interesting thing. And I actually, in all seriousness, think about it as an actor when I'm designing a character where I'm playing something. Is what? Well, my character would never do that. But like you say, the most amazing things in life are when people do something that is out of their character and he's giggling like you love that because it's like that's that's it there's some joy in that right my my, yeah and we'll talk about it when we get to the episode but only because you brought it up you know i came in onto the show for six episodes to see if i liked it see if they liked me it was kind of a like a trial marriage and i remember doing a scene with nick where we went to his favorite steakhouse and it was closed and he started crying (laughs) and he turned to me and he goes what do you think happened to the stakes? <laughs> and yeah. I thought this is might be the most brilliant thing I've ever been a part of. It's so it's it, it's so cute. Dude, there's something about the show that's very cute. Like and I don't mean that in a demeaning way cuz yes. I like cute things. Like yeah. I like cute shit. So it's like I'm happy I wrote for the show. I bet I pitched a lot of cute shit, but like yeah. that is cute. Like he's a really manly guy, but like that kind of thing is like it is adorable. It's just a very a very like it's a cute joke. <laughs> like what it's very funny. And he said yeah. it like it was like it, it was just it was unbelievable. Like they were like like puppies that somebody well, yeah, yes. left in there. Yes. What do you think happened and, to the stakes? Yeah. What do you think happened to the stakes? And, and and the way everyone in the show like loves each other. The fact that he would ask you that is like yeah. This is all. This is all, yeah. This this works, man. This works. It's it's a it's a fun, it's a fun tone. We got a note from producer Greg, which is like Ron is eager to date Wendy, but he also carries Tom home and, and takes care of his friend. Right. So it's like. There is a balance. I think he maybe in the back of his head he knows he's screwed up. So maybe he sh- maybe he knows he, he shouldn't have immediately asked his divorced friend's wife out, which is which is very funny. But there's uh, also a very funny construction of a, just a very straight line that the date has. Where he goes, which 
which one is the husband? <laughs> yes, and, that's and right. It's something like that that's really Byzantinely structured. It's funny. Which one's your husband? He's the one being he's the one being carried by his boss. I think something like yeah. something like that. Before we move on from talking about Ron, something cool that I think is worth pointing out. In several shots, we see the back of Ron's head, and he's missing patches of his hair. And referring back to the previous ep uh, from Hunting Trip, where he shot in the back of the head while hunting. Now, this won't be the last time we use hair and makeup to track things that happen to Ron's hair, and I guess that's just a tease of an episode to come uh, next season. But it was just a really smart choice, um, and I, I something I really love. Yeah. <laughs> No one will care about this, but something about the casting of the guy Wendy was on a date with just made me laugh because he was like the most like normal looking like he just like has a little bit of stubble or something. He's just like a white guy from like a Taco Bell commercial or something like he's a, he's a guy who, who, who just like looks like a normal guy. And, and you've been watching your characters for so long and you see this random guy who's on a date who's on a date with like a tertiary character. And he's like, what world is this? He stumbled onto a crazy treasure chest of a world. And he's just like, who? who and that's like us right that's us watching right it definitely felt you're so right it felt like he was from another world <laughs> yes and, and he's the most normal looking guy possible so yes. it's not him right he's the normal one that, that's that, that's what's great about it and like you've just seen these 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 wild hijinks and it's like yeah that's a normal guy's like what's going on here and he's by the way like he's dating tom's wife who's like a beautiful woman so like he he doesn't she's on the periphery of this world as well but i something about that actor made me laugh last night while i was watching it i was like yeah same same strange and now i realize he looks like a white guy from a taco bell commercial you could not (laughs) i'm gonna steal that um, phrase it's so perfectly descriptive we all know what that is when hey, we hear it's, it. a, it's it's an even more specific guy now because there's fewer and fewer white guys in those commercials so so, so they, they, <laughs> they're, right. they're, they're getting out of work you know my my girlfriend just did a talk my girlfriend just did a taco bell commercial and she's like she's you know she's asian and like it was her and a black guy those are like the main guys it's like yeah i mean the white guys are on the roof of that commercial they're not now, eating but, anymore but yeah no it's like hey y'all doing okay y'all doing okay it's gonna be okay uh what well, yeah we well, yeah, the other ron thing the final ron thing i, I noted was uh Steffi Graf callback. Our, our pa- the patron saint of this this podcast. Yes. One of our one of our loyal listeners, Steffi Graf. Um, yeah, he he gives a talking head and it says uh, he wants. To, he's like he's he, he he doesn't care about strip clubs because he likes to date you know confident, self possessed women like Steffi Graf or Cheryl Swoops, who was a WNBA star. So which made me laugh so hard. First of all, I learned something because I never knew if it was Cheryl Swoops or Cheryl Swoops. I feel like. It couldn't be, I was like, it couldn't possibly actually be swoops. Swoops, great at hoops. I just, <laughs> I just can't imagine a world in which that's her actual name. It turns out it is. Yeah, it's it's like Lonzo Ball, right? It's like, yeah, the Ball brothers, they're good at basketball. They they're play gonna, ball. They're, they're going to ball. <laughs> that can't be right. That can't be right. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, but yeah, again, talking about Ster- uh, Steffi Graf is always funny. So, so I enjoyed that talking head. How did we not ever get her in the show? I, I bet mean, she would have done it. There's a long history. I think we quickly moved on to like Indiana athletes and NBA players. So we got Detlef Schrempf, who's in, in Indiana. We got oh, Roy yeah. Hibbert, who was on Indiana. And uh, man, there's, there's, and then obviously all the Colts. So we, we had a lot of athletes on the show, actually, which was fun for me. We had Chris Bosch. Like it was like I'm a huge NBA fan, so so it was really funny to see all those 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 uh, those NBA players, and I actually became kind of friendly with Roy Hibbert, who was the center for the Pacers. He came and guested on the show. He's a he's a huge comedy comedy fan. So yeah, we we hung out a few times. He's a nice guy. Yeah, I did scenes with Roy. He was great. 
Yeah, very nice guy. Um, and yeah, so like I, I just love like you you roll on set. You're like, hey Rob, today you're doing a scene with Roy Hibbert. <laughs> it's like okay, Detlef well, Shrimp. I'm like, great, amazing. Get ready for my eye line to be higher than normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, and those guys are good sports, man. And I think it's also like. It's, it makes it feel local, right? It's like Indiana stars, Indiana, yep. you know, athletes, and 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 we kind of leaned into that. By the way, just circling back for what it's worth, the uh, the actor, the date actor, who looks like <laughs> looks like the white guy in a Taco Bell commercial, uh, is James Ball. No James relation Ball. to the Ball brothers. I mean, Ball. tying in weirdly tying. Is this a moment where we discover like the whole universe is connected? The Matrix. <laughs> is, why, like this is a Slumdog Millionaire situation. <laughs> this yeah. is like it's all connected. Yeah. Greg also notes that we faked an autograph with Larry Bird in, in Leslie's office. I remember that it was like you know keep shooting or something or keep shooting for the stars. Okay. So the details of this, and you're right, Alan. From what I remember, in a deleted scene that was in the pilot. Tom tells us that the autograph of Larry Bird on Leslie's desk was faked by him, and it's part of a long-running prank Tom played on Leslie, telling her that he has lunch with Larry Bird once a month. And I looked it up. The inscription on the photo reads, To Leslie, spelled L-E-S-L-Y, sync that shot, Larry B. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Well, it's time for the town hall. You know what? We haven't done one. We haven't done one in Ramsett Park. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful sort of, you know, afternoon. The weather's good. I think we get a blanket, you and I, some brioche cheese and red wine. And we just snuggle up in Ramsett Park and just open the town hall. I love it, man. Let's get the best Pinot Noir we have in Pawnee. I wonder what we can find. It's <laughs> just oh, the boy. light red kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll get some nice Michigan wine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think there's a joke later in the show about the wine they get there. But, you know, maybe there's a wine scene there. Um, so, all right, here's the town hall question. We're all cuddled up in Ramsett Park. It comes from Sheila M. Who in the cast would be the most realistic choice for an actual park ranger. And by Ooh. the way, the note here is Sheila M. works at a famous, bold and italicized, famous park in NYC. Now, that leads me to believe that she's talking about Central, Central park. park. Yeah, I like I feel like that, you might as well have just said works at Central Park because you're not, you're not really, <laughs> well, yeah, what's, a, what's the famous park? Like, what's, the, what's a famous statue park. that celebrates liberty? Like, oh, okay, yeah. well, you know. Um, a, who in the who in the cast would be the most realistic choice for an actual park ranger? Well, oh, there's have, there's not even a, a there's not even a doubt in my mind. What do you think, Rolo? Chris Pratt. 
100%. Oh, I love that. I love that. So Pratt is an outdoorsman. He like has a farm, right? So you tell me about Pratt's like his farm and stuff. Pratt has a Pr- Pratt has a, a farm, his own farm. He has his own um sells his own meat to restaurants. Um and it's doing really super well. It's a, it's it's you know, he can go talk you chapter and verse. I can tell you the sausage he brought me uh the last time he was up was insanely amazing. Um you know, he's great with a bow, a gun, knows the animals, he knows, you know, how to you know, make make sure the pond has the right salinity and oxygen in it for the fish. And, you know, he, he, that could be his second career. He would love that. Yeah, and he's 6'5 and jacked. What, uh, what animals does he have there? I know he has sheep. What else does he have there? Do, do you know? Yeah, he has he sheep. Pigs? Sh- he's got pigs. He's got yeah. sheep. Um... I think that's ba- that's the the farming element of the it. The bulk of it, yeah. I, yeah. I remember horses. I, remember I know being at a party with him uh, not that long ago, and and we were talking to my friend David Chang, who's a chef, and they just started talking about how to how to make the pigs into tasty stuff. Basically, it was like, well, maybe that was inspiration for some of the sausage. But he's like, oh man, like you got pigs, like you got to do that. This is how because like you know Chang like loves cooking pork, so I think they they went off into a corner and just started talking about pig recipes. But I think Pratt is a good answer. The the funny thing is in the in the finale of the show, uh, you know Ron Swanson's character becomes a park ranger. I think. I think one of the elements about Nick that people don't know is like he is a lot like Ron in a lot of ways, but he's also an he's an actor. Like he's he's an actor. He's like a theater guy. Like you know he's like a Steppenwolf trained guy. Like he's not he he does he does work with wood and he's very handy. But I don't think he like li- like wants to live in the woods. And Pratt does before Pratt did all the big movies. He was like my goal is to make enough money to buy a house by the lake and I'm out of here. Yeah. And Nick Offerman. It's like to to what you were saying is he's a theater geek, yeah, a yes. true I didn't theater want to say geek. It, but he is, he is. He wants to quote Lord Byron and stuff. Like he he's like a very he he's not he's not Ron Swanson. He is in some ways, but he's not in others. That you know the other another good question would be who would be the worst park ranger? And oh. there's a lot of candidates. There's a lot of candidates because uh, I don't think you want to like go camping with like Aziz. Like I don't think you want, he's, like he he's gonna be looking for those high thread count sheets. Like he doesn't want to be living outside. Uh, like I don't like I don't think Adam Scott wants to do that. I think they're city boys, right? They're city mice like me. So yeah, for sure those those two. What's like that great? <laughs> That great uh, thing when we were shooting in uh, in uh, the stadium, the football stadium, the Colts football stadium, yep. and I wanted to go and, and get a hamburger with with Pratt. We were going to go get it, and they and Adam um, Morgan Sack at the UPM goes, "You guys can't leave right now." I go, "Why? You're shooting all this stuff?" He goes, "No, you're the only two guys here who can throw a football." <laughs> not probably not untrue, right? It's like yeah, it was it was it was. Throwing the we we did we threw the football around. I was like, yeah, not everybody here throws the ball. It was really fun kicking those field goals too. I remember kicking those and and Pratt was kicking too some too. That was really fun. Forty yards. Anyway, for, yeah. yeah, forty yard. He kicked a forty yarder. Yep. Um, all right, that was the town hall. Thank you, Sheila M, who works at a famous park in NYC. I wonder uh, what we'll, it is. We'll leave undisclosed. I really wonder what it is. Um, that was the town hall. So let's let's fold up our picnic blanket and uh, let's uh, call it quits on another episode. Another fun one. Another fun one. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, don't forget to tell your peeps about us oh and don't forget to give us a five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts. it's a big deal helps the show and more importantly we read all the comments go do your part we've done ours you just heard us do our thing it's time for you to do your thing thank you see you next week thanks to producers rob and greg bye from bonnie
This episode of Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.